Hey, we are glad you're here today. Man, last weekend was a really big weekend for us. A lot of stuff, really, that we, we ought to celebrate. One thing I, I want to say is I am, I'm continually impressed by the generosity and the willingness of the people in this church to get involved when there's a need. And, you know, really, last minute, we, we kind of said, you know, with, with the flooding that happened in eastern Kentucky, we wanted to, you know, help in whatever way we could. And the main thing they needed was people to come and help. And so I kind of threw it out and said, hey, if anybody wants to go, you know, I'm going to go. And we had 12 people that, that we went that went down there on Monday and, uh, and just worked all day and uh, just came back exhausted. But this is, this is what I say when I, when I talk about, like, how much I love this place we had, to, of course, everybody, you know, people took off work, I mean, kind of moved things around, shifted schedules. One guy that went with us, so he worked third shift the night before, worked all night, came that, you know, five, five, uh, five o'clock in the morning uh, to go with us down there, worked all day, napped on the bus on the way back, and then went to work again when we got back. I mean, that's the kind of level of sacrifice, and I just... Really appreciate you guys and thankful for you. And then not only that, but last weekend, you know, if we were here, we had the Back to School Blitz where we were serving out in the community. Over 100 of you were involved in that, just helping our schools get ready for uh, the first day. And, and man, it was just such a, you know, I, I was even uh, hearing stories. Some of you ladies that showed up in your church clothes and then went out and just worked as hard as you could. You know, and I love that I get to be part of a place that we don't just say that we care about people. We don't just say that we care about the community, but we're willing to get our hands and our, and our clothes dirty, and, and that's, that's pretty awesome. But also, we, we had a, a, if you weren't here, if you missed this, uh, we, we got to celebrate Brandy Cundiff, who just made a huge step in her relationship with Christ and was baptized by her husband, Alex. And that's the kind of stuff, you, you just have no idea what that does to my heart to be able to see that. And uh, just so excited for her and, and this is, this is the, the kingdom, you know, this is the stuff that Jesus talked about in Acts 1. He said, you know, I, I want you to, to go and, and you're going to be my witnesses everywhere you go. You're going to tell people about me everywhere. And, and today we're, we're starting a brand new series. I'm, I'm excited about it. I've been thinking about it for a while called The Forgotten Ways. And you know how it just is that things, so many things were of such better quality in the past than they are today. You know, things just wear out today. They just don't, things just don't seem to last as long. We're getting ready to buy a new refrigerator because uh, our, our, the one that we have is not that old, but it doesn't, it doesn't work right. You know, things in the refrigerator part are starting to freeze and the ice maker's all messed up and it's just like it's starting to, you know, just... It's starting to show signs that, man, this is time to replace this thing. And, uh, and so I'm like, looking at the prices of refrigerators, that'll make you kind of, you know, take a step back. But the, the funny thing is, I've got a fridge in my garage that I bought probably seven years ago at Peddler's Mall. It was built in the 40s or 50s, and that thing works like a champ. I mean, it'll keep things as cold as you want them to be in there. And it just, I mean, it just keeps on working. And it's like... Now I got this newer fridge in my house that's going out. I'm like, what, what's the deal here? But that just seems like that's the way everything is. My tools break. Our furniture just doesn't last as long, doesn't hold up because they weren't made to last. They were made with cheap materials and, and uh, they're, they're for convenience. And when you think about the way that we live and the way that we grow, particularly when you're talking about spiritual formation, 
Our spiritual growth, your, re- your relationship with God and how you grow in that. You know, we, hopefully we all understand that when we give our lives to Jesus, when, we, when I say I accept Jesus, I want Him to be you know, my Savior, I'm going to be baptized, and that that is not the final step, that's the beginning point. That's something we can look back to and say, okay, that's when I, when I kind of started, right? My first step. But then it's a life of growing and, and, and coming into maturity. And there is no shortcut to that. There's no convenient way. You know, it, it's quick and easy is not the best. You've got to be steady and you've got to be intentional about it. It's just not a, there's just not a short circuit. Growth takes time and it takes effort. And, and there are so many things that the early followers of Jesus did that we have tried to here in the 21st century. We, we're trying to short circuit around it. You know, we, because maybe we don't want to put in the effort or we, you know, we think, well, we're so busy or I've got other things on my mind. And, and, but there's a reason why the old forgotten ways are better. And they're true and tried. There, there's not a cheap imitation that's going to live up to the original. Psalm 119 gives us some great insight. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The word of God, the Bible, is a real treasure. It's a real gift. And throughout history, people have sacrificed their time and their families and their lives so that we can have this word. It has endured the test of time. It is the most controversial, most banned book in all of history. It's the best-selling book in all of history. Uh, and yet very few of us are comfortable with it. Very few of us know how to use it. I mean, it's like anything else. About a third of us don't don't read it at all. A third of Christians don't read the Bible at all. About a third say, oh, I'm somewhat kind of a little bit familiar with it. And a third are what we would call students of the Word, people of the Word. But it is a gift. And my, my question to all of us today is we have God's Word readily available to us. What are you going to do with that gift? What do you do with it? Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now what that that verse is saying, and it's true, is we spend a significant amount of time on things that are going away. They're going to pass away, and it's true. You think about all the time that we spend consuming media in whatever form, entertainment, social media, you know, whether you just are just in love with the news, whatever, you know, the, the amount of time that we just consume and consume, 
and, and all the time that we spend obsessing over our appearance, you know, we're primping and we're doing this and I'm trying that and I'm doing all these things. We're still working on getting those buns of steel, you know, I'm still working on that. And, and yet all of those things that we are, we are just obsessed with, they are all passing away. They're leaving. They're going away. And the only thing that's going to remain from us from now until eternity is God's Word. That's it. That's the only thing. So what are we going to do with this gift? Now, the Bible is it's unlike any other book. It, it really is not like other... It, it's, it's alive, and, and it has the power, really has the power, to change your life and to totally revolutionize your relationship with your Creator. And, and let me just say this, and this is so true. I, I just hope that you grasp this today, that learning how to use it, when you really learn how to use the Word of God... It is the greatest skill and heart postures you're ever going to develop. When you learn how to use it, not just reading it, not just being, you know, not just having four or five copies in your house, or, you know, maybe some of us, we get the big Bible on the coffee table, you know, the big white one that's kind of puffy, puffy cover or whatever. It's not, not that, but when you actually learn how to use it. Now, there is some encouragement out there. You know, a lot of us are pretty novice or kind of intimidated, maybe. Maybe we just kind of stay away from the Bible altogether. But, you know, just in the last couple of years, I don't know if it's because the world is nuts and everybody's just kind of looking for something to grasp onto. I don't know. But, but there is some encouragement out there. According to a Barna study, the number of Americans that once considered themselves biblically disengaged, like I, I'm not using the Bible, not interested in the Bible, don't even have a Bible. That number of people uh, is, is, has decreased a lot. You see the blue column there. That was in 2018. Uh, these are people saying, hey, I, I'm not uh, interested in the Bible at all. And over time, you see going to yellow 2019, gray in 2020, and red in 2021, how that is shifting. And people are moving from saying, I'm not interested in the Bible at all, to going into what they call the movable middle, which is, hey, I'm I'm softened to it. I, I'm kind of interested. I, I think there might be something there that could be beneficial to me. That's really good. That, that's, that's what we, we want. You know, we're, we're, I, we allow myself to be in a position where God can work on me. And we're seeing people make that, that shift. But the immediate problem is, and I, I think a lot of the people in this room, you're probably in that movable middle. Maybe in the last year or so, you've gone from, yeah, I don't even crack open a Bible, to, well, I would be open to it. I just don't know what to do. Because that's the, the immediate wall that we run into is, how do I read it? How do I study it? What do I do with it? And the worst thing, let me, let me say this, the worst thing that you could do here today is to get like really inspired and be like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start getting into the Bible and start at the beginning and just start reading it. And say, I'm just going to read it all the way through. That's the, uh, that's the worst thing you can do. And here's why. Because you're going to start, and it starts off pretty good. In Genesis, there's a lot of great narratives in there. And you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get through Genesis and Exodus. And all of a sudden, you're going to run into this place where all it talks about is, hey, here's a person who had babies, 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 who had babies. And then if you get through all that, you're going to run into the book called Leviticus, and you're going to stop right there. Like, it is dry. It is difficult to understand. A lot of it's this old law stuff and stuff that, that really doesn't, I mean, it's, it's interesting insight, but not a lot of great application for us living as Christians in the 21st century today. And you're going to stop. So uh, 
that's why I say the Bible is not like other books. Other books, you start out and you know, okay, it's got a beginning, middle, end, and there's kind of resolution. And, and the Bible is not quite like that. It's very different. And my goal for us today is to challenge you to push yourself to become a student of God's Word, not just a reader. I don't want you to say, oh yeah, I like to read the Bible. I want you to be a person who says, I'm a person of the Word. I know how to study the Word of God on my own. Because God's Word is powerful and it absolutely has the ability to change us. And this is why, I promise you this, you will encounter God through the Bible consistently over time. I hope, I think, that that's why we're here today. I think that we're here today because there's some part of you, whether it's large or whether it's small, there's some part of you that says, I want, I want to know God. I want God to be part of my life. You know, maybe, maybe you've got a lot of questions about it. You know, we talked about that some last week, even like doubts. But, but there's some part of you that says, I really want to know God. And I really want to, 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 for God to, to speak to me. We experience Him as we dive into His Word. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. How many you ever heard somebody say, man, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. What a weird thing to say, right? Because I've, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I can tell you, I have never had a moment where God was like, hey, Brandon, I'm going to speak to you right now, and I'm going to tell you some things like Moses in the burning bush, you know? I've never, I don't know anybody that's had that. But, but what, what does that mean, you know? I'll tell you, the more time you spend in this Word, the more you can hear from and encounter and engage with God. You will, you will hear from Him through His Word. As you walk through these pages, God will meet you there. Because the Bible is not only, it's not only factual, it's not only historically accurate, it's relational. You walk through these pages, you're walking... With God, studying God's Word is an invitation to relationship with Him. It's really become one of the forgotten ways. And the early followers knew this. And See, they had a background in it. So you have to understand the culture a little bit. It was ingrained in who they were in the Jewish tradition. They literally dedicated their entire lives around it. From the time, I mean, matter of fact, if you, if you had a young boy at a very young age... They would, they would enter a certain school, and by the age of 10, some of you got kids, grandkids, they're about 10 years old. By the time they were 10 years old, they had memorized the books of the law. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorized it by the age of 10. Then when they graduated, they would go to another school, and from the ages of 10 to 13, they would memorize the entire, uh, the entire Hebrew Scriptures. The Old Testament. They memorized it. Every one of them. And, and I think about that. This is a big deal for them. And it needs to be a big deal for us too. You know, I think about like my kids. I think about, okay, these kids 10 years old, 13 years old. My kids have memorized a lot of TikTok dances. <laughs> and like Disney movies. You know, they can quote Disney movies. But, but I think about not just for my kids, but for us. How familiar are we with God's word? And I'm not, I'm not saying today, my, my challenge to you is not, okay, let's all memorize it. But let's, can we learn how to be students of it? Can we learn how to study it on our own? I love 
what Tim Keller says. Uh, he's, he's an author that I, I really enjoy. He says, For years I thought that God could be active in my life through the Spirit and that the Bible was a book that I had to obey if God was going to come in. But I now realize that the Bible is the way that through the Spirit, God is active in my life. And this is what I want us to understand today, is how the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together in your life to help you grow in spiritual maturity. You, you don't have one without the other. Jesus made us a promise when He was on His way to the cross. He said that He would send the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and the promise was that the Holy Spirit would literally take up residence inside you. He says that you're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he's going to guide you into all truth. Those are Jesus' words. That means that he would, he would guide us. What does he mean when he says he's going to guide you into all truth? It means that he's going to guide you into the reality of life as God intends it. Not your idea of what your reality should be. Not your idea of what your life should look like. But what is God's reality? How does he want you to live? That's what the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to. And what I know is that if you're a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's inside you, right? Jesus promised us that. If that's true, and, but you are not using God's word to guide you, then you're not being guided into all truth. Why is it that we can have so many people who claim to be followers of Jesus that can have wildly different ideas about what that looks like? And even when it, when it comes to, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like on peripheral issues. I mean like the big ones. Like what does it mean to, to be saved? What is sin? Let's talk about identity, gender identity sexual identity, all those, those big issues, how can we all claim to follow Jesus and yet have wildly different ideas about what that says? It's because we have to have truth. If we don't allow the truth of God's Word working alongside the, the Spirit of God to guide us, then we're kind of off on our own. And then we start defining what truth is. The Holy Spirit works in partnership with the Word of God. That's why Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, there's a lot in that little verse. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Doesn't the Holy Spirit give us the strength to resist the urge to sin? Yes, it does. But how do we know what is sin and what's not unless we have the truth of God's word? Unless we know from God, here, here's, here's the boundaries, here's the guardrails. It's the truth of, of his word. God's word tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked. That's why we need truth. We have to have the truth of God in our lives because without it we're lost. And when the Bible talks about our hearts, it, it doesn't mean our cardiac hearts. It's not like, oh, you know, you're this, like this beating heart in your chest is wicked. It's talking about your inner world. That it says we are desperately wicked. Who can understand it? We're sitting uh, just the other day. You know, it's been beautiful the past few days. Megan and I are sitting out on the porch. And we just get talking about, you know, world events and things that are happening and you still got the Russia and Ukraine things. People are dying all the time. And, and, and then, okay, now China's 
doing a little saber rattling or whatever they're doing. And you've got all this evil, 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 and politicians that are just lying. And people, you know, news organizations that want to spin everything to fit their narrative. And it's like, how do you, how do you figure out what's true and, what, and what's not? Like, how do we know? And, and at some point I said, you know, isn't it, isn't it kind of scary that we live in this world where we've got these nations we have nuclear weapons pointed at each other, and at any moment, somebody that you've never met can make a decision that'll end your life. They can just fire something at any we can just be out here minding our own business, just having a cup of coffee in the backyard. And in five minutes from now, we could be obliterated from this earth because somebody somewhere decided that we're gonna push a button. How, why, why is that like that? And I think about what the word of God says. The heart is desperately, desperately wicked. Ever since there's been people, there's been envy and greed and wickedness. Think all the way back, you know, if you've read the book of Genesis, you know Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, everything's great until they sin. They, and then the very first murder, two brothers, Cain and Abel. And why? Because, oh, well, Abel did something a little bit better. He had a better sacrifice, a better offering for God, and Cain was jealous and angry and killed him ever you know from the very beginning it just shows that people we're just we're just wicked and without truth we are so lost and the funny thing to me about reading the bible and the, the more time i spend with it the more time i study it it's kind of like a mirror you hold it up it kind of reveals a lot about myself to me you know I, i'm reading the bible but it's it's also reading me so I want to give you a couple of practical things to help you because, again, my goal for today is that you will step into becoming a student of the Word. Just as followers of Jesus were millennia ago that you say, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do that work. I'm going to become that. And that means you're, you may have questions that you don't know the answer to. I want you to know how to find the answers on your own. If all the Bible that you're getting is when you come here on Sunday morning, 30 minutes a week from me, that's not enough. And if the way that you're living is whenever you have a question about the Bible, well, maybe I'll ask Brandon sometime this week. I don't want you to be relying on me. And I may not give you the right answer. I mean, especially if I'm shooting from the hip. I want you to be able to discover this on your own. If you're, re or if you're reading something, you think, what in the world does that mean that you can dig in a little bit and find that? So let's start off with Bible translations, okay? Key word there, translations. Uh, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Greek, ancient Greek, and Aramaic. So obviously not many of us can read those languages. So it has to be translated into English. Fair enough, simple enough, right? Well, <laughs> that's where all the uh, arguing begins, right there. Because which version is the best? Which version is the most accurate? You know, and you get in these major debates, which version should I use? My answer is... You should use the one that you can read. Which version do you, uh, you know, do you like that speaks to you? Personally, I like the New Living Translation. I use it a lot. Uh, I like the New International Version. I like the Message Version. You know, it's, it's paraphrased a lot, but I, I kind of, you know, for, and sometimes I kind of like to see how does it, how does it word this. Uh, they're easy for me. I have met people that are so over-the-top legalistic about this, and maybe you have too. I had a guy one time that got in, I mean, he, wanted to, he just wanted to get into a huge argument with me. I'm like, I'm not going there, dude. I'm not going there with you. Because he said, you know, 
The Word of God is the KJV, King James Version, 1611. That is the original Word of God. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't. I can't with you. <laughs> like, what did people do before 1611? It's a translation, buddy. And to be honest with you, as a student of the Word, somebody who's actually got degrees in this, I can tell you that actually it's not even that good of a translation, to be honest. But whatever, it works. It's a translation. If you like it, that's great. But don't, don't. anyway, I, I'm not going to get there. But if you and I, let's say that you and I are, are telling the exact same story, right? We both went on vacation together. We're coming back and we're telling people about it. We would use a little, maybe some different words to describe the trip and you know, things like that, but, but the story is still the same. The same points are being made and the truth is being passed on. In these ancient languages, sometimes words don't translate directly into English. So you get a Greek word that's one word in the Greek, but we don't have a word for that in the English language. And so it takes several words to describe what that author was writing. That's where you get some discrepancy, is how we describe the same word but it's you can be uh rest assured people who work to translate the bible they have the highest of standards absolute highest of standards now if you're looking for a bible that has extra material in it and this is where if you've got a little piece of paper you're taking notes on your phone i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you some stuff that you might want to know for later if you say okay i want to get into the i want to start diving into the bible but I would like for there to be maybe some devotions in there, or maybe like uh, some footnotes, you know, like if it's, there's a verse, and I'd like to know a little bit more about that. One of the ones that I absolutely love is the, new, is the, uh, the uh, Life Application Bible. The Life Application Bible, and I think it's in the uh, New Living Translation as well, but the Life Application Bible, I used that for probably the first 10 years when I was preaching. I tore it up. I don't even think I have it anymore because it, it fell apart, literally fell apart. Uh, but I loved it. It was so helpful to me to understand what the Bible was saying. And the things that you need to focus on when you're studying is the who, the when, and the why. Who wrote this? When did they write it? Why did they write it? What is happening in the background of this? You know, it's really nice. You know, I sort of make fun of grandma's pillow. You know, it's just, you know, things that are stitched on grandma's pillow or whatever. But we do that all the time. Case in point, we love, a lot of people love Jeremiah 29 11. I've seen so many people with tattoos, Jeremiah 29 11. And it's a great little verse. It says, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, a plans for, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. It's a very nice verse. Is very nice, but I hate to burst your bubble. That verse wasn't written to you here sitting here in 2022. That was written to a particular group of people at a particular time in history, and a lot was going on, and God was reassuring them and saying, listen, I know that this is a painful time in your history, and there's a lot going on, but I want you to know that I've not forgotten you. I know the plans that I have for you, and I'm going to prosper you, and I'm going to give you a future and a hope. It was written to those people. Now, is, is it good? Yeah, it's great. It's very encouraging. Remember that God is with us all the time, all of us. But that's why we, we got to ask ourselves, who, what, when, what's going on? Particularly when you're reading the New Testament. You know, well, both, but in the New Testament, you're reading all these letters from Paul. Philippians. We're getting ready to do a series in Philippians in a few weeks. Ephesians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. You know, those letters, you're reading someone else's mail. As you read those, you're reading 
something that was written to a particular group of people at a particular time in history. So we got to know what was going on. What were they struggling with? What was the pain? What was the hurt? What was the sin? What was happening amongst them in the background as you study? Now, back in the day, when you wanted to know what the Bible said about a specific thing, you had a book, uh, especially if you were a Bible, uh, a Bible college student. You had this book here called a Concordance. And it's about a million pages long. Uh, I've kept it just, just for, for fun. And, and actually, I don't, you probably won't be able to tell. But look how small the text in there is. I mean, this has got... But what this is, it's got every single word that's in the Bible. You can look it up. You, so you pick a word, you know, okay, knelt. There it is. Well, knelt was used 13 times. And here's all the verses that the word knelt, that you can find it in the Bible. Now, if you wanted to study the Bible back in the day, you needed one of these. It was pretty important. Nowadays, everything is available to you digitally. Everything is available. Probably the device you have in your pocket, you've got everything that you need. We literally have no excuse not to be a student of the Word. But I want to give you a word of caution. I'm going to give you some websites here that you can write down. Here's the word of caution. You can find anything online. What I mean by that, there's a lot of crackpots. Any, any crackpot can start a website and start spewing a bunch of stuff that is absolutely, absolutely bull. Not true, not, they have no idea, they, they have absolutely no background or experience in hermeneutics, but they can come through and just start spewing a bunch of stuff, and a lot of people are misled by that. Remember how, you know, I remember my mom saying, you can't believe everything that you see on TV. But it's like, for some reason, that generation knew that. Like, you can't believe everything you see on TV, but they believe that you can believe everything you read on the Internet. I don't get it. It's like, no, that's, <laughs> there's a lot of crockpots out there. But let me, let me give you a couple of websites that I love and trust. Number one is BibleGateway.com. I use this website every week. It has the every word of the Bible on there and about every translation you can think of. It also has commentaries. So if you want to read what theologians have said about a particular verse or something like that, there's tons of material on it uh, and explanation and, and resources there. Now, if you're ready to go a little bit deeper, I, I love, this is another one I use about every week, it's called blueletterbible.org. Uh, when I'm writing sermons, there's a lot of commentaries available, but what I love the most, and the reason I use Blue Letter Bible, is it has every word in the Bible. So if you look up a verse, and you say, I want to know what that word originally meant. Like, I want to see that original word in the Greek or the Hebrew, and you can put in a verse, click on that word, it will show you in the original language, here's the word, here's everywhere else it's used in the Bible, and here's what it means. So whenever I'm up here and I say, oh, you know, in the Greek language, this is what the, it's because I got that from Blue Letter Bible. Not because I know the Greek language. I just know where to go to find that information. It's a great resource. A third one that I like, I tell people about all the time, is called gotquestions.org. This is a fantastic resource. Uh, you can type in any question that you have about God, the Bible, a particular verse, and see results. They have answered over 700,000 questions. It's put together by Bible scholars uh, and, and theologians that really know what they're talking about. Whenever I have somebody email me, hey, what, i got a question about this. I would say nine times out of ten, the response that I send them back has got a link from gotquestions.org in it. Uh, but the other one, I, if you don't have this on your phone, you need to pull it out and download this app right now if you don't have it. It is the YouVersion app. 
Uh, it is absolutely free. Uh, it has so many features, including devotions, Bible reading plans, commentaries, every translation of the Bible that you want. Uh, plus, it's got sermons, sermon material. It's just tons and tons and tons of stuff on there. Totally free. And I've got it on my phone. I use it all the time. We also offer a resource through the church. If you want to know more about it, stop by Next Steps. But Right Now Media uh, is a fantastic resource that's put together all kinds of Bible studies and sermons and all kinds of things. I mean, more than you could ever use in a lifetime that we pay for as a church so that you can use for free. If you don't have an account on that, please, please take advantage of it. But what I'm trying to say is there's so much available to you, it's unbelievable. To live in a time we can find anything that we want at any time, there's nothing stopping you from becoming a student of the Word. But the reality of it all is God is calling us to take His Word with us literally everywhere that we go. That we would write it on the walls of our heart and that we would let it saturate our lives. And that we would let it consume everything that we do. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? And that's the question I ask us today. David writes this, and he cries out, when can I go meet with God? When can you go meet with God? When's the last time? You know, maybe you've been following Christ for a while, and maybe just a short amount of time. Regardless, the question remains, no matter where you are in your journey, when's the last time you met with God? When is the last time that you sat quietly and said, here I am, Lord, I, I, I want to meet with you. And I want to talk to you and I want you to speak to me. I'm just, I'm making the time to just be present and to open his word and say, Lord, just speak to me through your word. Help me walk with me through this right now. God's called us to master the text. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has called you to be a student of the word. Not just somewhat familiar with it, but to master the text. And we don't master the text for knowledge. We, we, we master it so that we can meet with God. When's the last time that we did that? He calls us to master the text, but he also calls us to be mastered by the text. Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he looks them right in the eyes. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you, you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. But typically, in Jesus' day, when people were buried, they buried them in these big tombs, you know, they have a little cave or something like that that they put the bodies in. And ever so often, they would come by, they would mix water and lime together, and they would literally paint the whole thing, whitewash it. There's no one being whitewashed because it would you know, leave that white residue behind. And so you have Jesus. There's a lot of skepticism surrounding him. Some people believe he's the Son of God. Some people don't. And, and I love this passage of Scripture. Because he looks right at them. He looks the spiritual leaders right square in the eyes. He says, guys, you know what? On the outside, you look beautiful. You're all like freshly painted white, like gleaming, just great. You stand there and you know the right things to say. And you know just how to hold your Bible. And you look so good. Your posture, you kind of, you know, you bring your shoulders back and puff out your chest. And all, you just, you guys, good for you. Look how great you look. But I've seen deeper. 
And on the inside, you're a bunch of imposters. You're fakes. You're, you're, you're impure. You're unclean. And what about us? When he looks at us, are we, are we posing? Are we putting on a spiritual fashion show, washing the outside of our lives? Why? When are we gonna, what do we see as we peer deeper into who we are? What's really going on? On the outside, maybe a lot of us are saying, no, 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 I, I mean, I, I lead a small group, but I read the Bible every once in a while. My kids are in student ministry, and we come to church every so often. That's not my question. My question is, what's going on inside? Well, as we study the Word of God, it helps us deal with what's inside. 1 John 2 says, we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. If somebody claims, I know God, but they don't obey God's commandments... That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know they are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's just that simple. And this is, here's the deal. This is the day. I, I, it's, it's time to be mastered by the text and walk through life as Jesus did did and does that's that's what god calls us to taking god's word everywhere we go will you be mastered by the text will you walk as jesus walked and let me just close with this if you've never if you've never read the bible if you say i've i've never you know i'm intimidated by it i don't know where to start i don't know anything about it and maybe you're even skeptical or you're like ah, i'm not sure where i stand if god is who he says he is and I have full confidence that he is. I believe that he has the power to meet you in wherever, wherever you are. So if you would be willing to say, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm unsure. I've not read it. If you would be willing to say, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I will seek the Lord honestly. I will try. Even if you're skeptical, go in skeptical. I have full confidence that God will meet you there. And that he will begin to change you from the inside out as you gain an understanding and appreciation for who he is through his word. And you understand what he wants for your life. And I, I hope that that's all why you're here. I hope that you are here today because there is some part of you, small or large, there's some part of you that believes that someone is out there. There's some part of me that believes that there's, there's got to be somebody and I think maybe he wants to do something in me. And I think there would be something really beneficial and great if I knew more about who that is. God makes us a promise. He says, if you seek me, you will find me.